0: Good morning, church. Good morning. I see that wave. (laughs) It was about late spring, early summer. I was in college, and there was a guy named Jeff, uh, and he came to a group of us friends. And he asked us if we wanted to go inner tubing down the North Saniam River. So, we, of course, we said, well, is it dangerous? And he was like, no, it's totally fine. I've, t- I've, I've done it multiple times. It's, it's super fun. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, but I'm, I don't do cold water. Like, I, is it super cold? And he's like, no, no, it's totally not cold. It's, it's more refreshing than cold. Uh okay all right so about 8 of us decide we're going to go inner tubing down the North Saniam River. Uh we beat him there and the very first thing that I notice is Jeff is wearing a wetsuit. Mhm. I'm like what gives my man? Like I thought it wasn't cold. He's like, no. no, it's not for the cold. Uh it's to protect uh my skin from all the rocks. I'm like I thought what's <laughs> what is worse the cold or all the rocks. Uh, I get down there, I put one foot in the water, it is freezing cold. Uh, Jeff, is, he was not telling me the total truth, it was freezing cold. And I can hear around the corner the rapids. Like the water, is, there's a lot of water, it's moving quite uh, speedily. And I can hear the roar, if you know that, that sound, that roar uh, in the distance of, of the rapids. But the plan was to go intertubing, so... We put our inner tube in there. I brave the cold. We brave a couple rapids. And Jeff had done this section of river a few times. And so he's kind of like our tour guide. He's the expert about what was going on. And so he would yell out. We were kind of all in together with these inner tubes. And he'd yell out, you know, when the rapids are going to be coming up, he'd say, go right. <laughs> so we would, we would paddle to the right and go to the right of the rapids. Uh, and somehow me and another guy, we got separated from Jeff. So he is way, way back there. And he, me and this other guy are just in these two inner tubes going, and I can hear the impending doom of, like, something really big, like a, like a lot of water, that roaring sound. And it just keeps getting louder and louder. And above the roar, I can kind of hear Jeff's voice. And he's, he, he's saying, go, roar. What's he? I was, like, I was like, my friend, is he saying go left or go right? He's like, I don't know. He's, and he's yelling again, go. So I couldn't hear him. I didn't know which way to go. So I just went with the flow. Uh, and I went right down the middle of the rapids. Uh, and it looked exactly like this. Now, it's, it may not look like much, but think of me in an inner tube. I'm in an inner tube, like just holding on. I'm not in a kayak. I'm not in a giant raft. I'm in this inner tube, and as I reach the crest of this thing, just freeze frame, and look, and just think of what my face would look like, and think about what I'm thinking. Apart from me thinking uh, of death and dismemberment is about ready to happen, uh, I'm thinking one thought, and I can think it right now very clearly in my mind, I'm thinking, what? was I thinking? (laughs) And truth be told, if I think back and we rewind uh, to me putting into the river, I was not thinking. I really wasn't. The plan was to go inner tubing. And I was just going through the motions of making that plan happen. Not evaluating anything. Not Not thinking about the red flags, which there were many red flags leading up to it. Jeff in his wetsuit was a red flag. The cold, frigid water was another red flag. The sound of impending death down the river, that's a red flag. But I was just going through the motions, not evaluating things like, is it safe? Not even evaluating things like, is it even going to be fun? But just going through the motions. What was I thinking? It is a very legitimate question But it is a very reactive question, isn't it? It's a legitimate question, but it's not very timely. A better question, a wiser question, would be What am I thinking? Not what was I thinking, but to ask ourselves on a regular basis, What am I thinking right now? To wake up in the morning to think, What am I thinking? And what should I be thinking about? To go to bed at night and to think, what am I thinking and what should I be thinking about? Unfortunately, it's a question that not many of us are good at asking ourselves, especially in our culture. Experts say that the average person will not evaluate what they're thinking or their feelings, and they will not evaluate that for sometimes days or even weeks. All we know is that we have a plan To live our life, and that we are just going through the motions. Going through the motions of getting through a work week, getting through the going through the motions of putting the kids to bed, going through the motions of coming home to our spouse, going through the motions of getting to the weekend, getting to vacation, getting to retirement, just going through the motions. So, when there are red flags in our life, like when our thoughts are distracted from the Lord, our thinking is selfish when our thoughts go to things like judgmental thoughts, lustful thoughts, any sinful thoughts that we allow to linger in our mind, not asking ourselves, what am I thinking or what should I be thinking about? Not asking ourselves if these thoughts and these emotions, are they from God or are they from somewhere else? And the scary part is, we think, on average, approximately 50,000 thoughts in one day. And experts who study thought patterns say that 90% of those thoughts that we have today carried over from yesterday. 90%. 90% of our thoughts that we have today, that we will wake up in the morning tomorrow with those same thoughts. And for some thoughts, that's a good thing. Or other thoughts that we have today that are negative could be condemning critical could be thoughts of defeat or depression we could be feeling anxious could be feeling angry could be feeling frustrated it's a disturbing thing to know that we'll wake up with 90% of those thoughts in the morning And even knowing, thinking about that statistic of 90%, it feels a little bit defeating and a little bit depressing. Like we ask ourselves, well, what can be done then? Well, the good news is that God has something else for us. Something that we can do today. Something that we could do right now that would break that cycle. Before we jump into the scripture, uh, let me pray for us. God, we thank you so much for your word and for the blessing of being able to, to read the word uh, so many options for us to read the Word, uh, and we uh, we're just we, we can bathe in the Word of God, uh, and we want to be able to just bathe uh, in your Scripture, in your truth, for us to be revealed by your Spirit, the things that we want to that we need to do, that we need to respond to you, and that you want to do in our life. We thank you so much that uh, you are here with us, and we thank you for speaking to all of us this morning in Jesus' name, Amen. So we find ourselves back in Philippians. It's chapter 4, and our verses are 8 and 9. And Paul says finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things, what you have learned and received. And heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So, we're given a list, not a checklist, but it's a list of things to think about deeply and consistently. Paul says that our thought life is to be dominated by anything that is true, anything that is honorable, anything just or pure or lovely, commendable, excellent, or worthy of praise. So, here's what we're gonna do we're gonna take a look at the list. We're going to pull out some key words, uh, and then we'll talk about some really practical ways that we can apply this to our life. The very first word that we're going to look at is the word finally. So he's not saying that this is going to be the very last thing that he says, because he has a lot more to say in chapter 4, and there's a lot of good things he's going to talk about. Paul is saying, let me break it down to the essence of the subject that I've been talking about. The subject that Paul has been talking about is standing firm. Since the beginning of chapter 4, it's about standing firm or standing strong in the faith. Standing strong so that when something comes along, like difficult circumstances, false doctrine, false thinking, relational turmoil, which we'll take a look at next week, we stand strong in our faith so we don't get knocked over. Years and years ago, my wife and I took Taekwondo. Uh, and I was, I'm not very good at it at all. But the one thing that I do remember learning, uh, I forgot everything except for how to stand. I remember that was the very first thing that we learned was how to stand strong or stand firm so that if we're standing like this and something hits us from the side, we can easily be knocked over. But to stand firm and stand strong, this is something that Paul talks about a lot. He says it in Galatians 5. He says, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. He says it in Ephesians 6 when he talks about the armor of God and for us to then put it on and stand firm. We see it a couple times in Philippians 1.27. He says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit. In the beginning of chapter 4, then Paul introduces this idea of standing firm. And he says in verse 1, therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord. Stand strong, he says, by agreeing with one another in the Lord. Stand strong by rejoicing in the Lord always, by praying for everything. And now he says in verse 8, finally, finally, let me break it down to the essence of standing firm in our faith. And this, at this, our ears should perk up. We should pay attention then to this. Paul says the key to standing strong in our faith, it starts in the minds of believers. Paul says we are to think. And this is our second word that we're going to look at, is the word think. He gives us a list of eight different things. And at the end of that list, he says we're to think on these things. Or in other translations, it's called dwell on. And it means more than just entertaining a thought. It's a word in the Greek that we get our English word algorithm from. It means to evaluate, to consider, to calculate. And the command that he gives is an ongoing command. So it literally means to continually evaluate, continually consider, to constantly calculate. And this is going to bring about right thinking. So what do we calculate? How are we to think rightly? He gives us a list. The very first thing on the list is what is true. Whatever is true, anything that is true. So what is truth? Jesus is the embodiment of truth. In John 14, 6, Jesus says about himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In 1 John 5, 6, the spirit of God is called truth. God's word is truth. That's John 17, 17. Colossians 1, 5, the gospel is true. The fruit of the Spirit in Ephesians 5, 8 is called true. I think it's perfect that Paul begins the list with whatever is true. Because if we have any questions about whatever else that he's going to say, what those things actually look like, we can test these things. We can test our thoughts by going back first to what is true. Is it honorable? Is it just or lovely? Well, is it true? Because if it's not true, it's not honorable. If it's not true, then it's not commendable. If it's not true, then it's not lovely. Can it be found in God's word? Is it an attribute of God? Is it true? And then he says we're to think about whatever is honorable. Also translated noble. It's the same word that Paul uses to describe deacons as needing to be men that are dignified, In 1 Timothy, the Bible says we're to honor God, we're to honor our parents, husbands and wives, we're supposed to honor one another. Honor looks like serving and respecting. It looks like verses that we're very familiar with. It looks like thinking about verses, like do nothing from selfish ambition. Or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. We're to think about whatever is serving and respecting both to man and to God. He also says we are to think about whatever is just. That's also translated right or righteous. Our thoughts and our thinking is to consider all things righteous. Anything that is innocent. Thinking about what it looks like to do the right thing. It means anything that is upright or virtuous. The the laws. It's about putting our mind on the laws and the promises of God because they are just and they are righteous. He says to think about anything, whatever is pure. Again, purity is found in the laws of God and the principles of Jesus. Jesus, it says in 1 John 3, Jesus is pure. Purity is anything free from sin, anything holy or sacred, anything to do with moral purity in our speech, anything to do with our actions or in our thoughts. He says we're to think about everything or anything that is lovely. I love this one. What does lovely look like? We're to think about what Jesus looks like, his attributes, his character. Can we see Jesus in others? Like when we see other people caring for the poor, when we see other people loving their neighbor, we're to think about these things. Can we see him in our relationships? Can we see him in our church? We're to think about those things, to think about things about humility, things about unity. Can we see Jesus? in his creation, absolutely. We can see him in the sunset, and we can glorify him. We can see him in the trees. We can see him in the stars and in butterflies. Wherever we see Jesus, we find what is lovely, and we're to think on these things. He says we're to think about whatever is commendable. Commendable is the kind of conduct that is spoken highly about other people. This is when you see The fruit of the Spirit and other people. This is commendable. Whenever you find the works of the Spirit and find the fruit of the Spirit, you find all that is commendable. And then Paul, just in case he misses anything, he says we're to think about anything that's excellent or anything that is praiseworthy. And he throws out like this blanket statement that it's true, it's honorable, it's just, all these things. And then he says, well, anything that is excellent, anything that is praiseworthy, anything of moral excellence, we're to calculate and consider these things. Paul says if we want to stand strong in the faith, then we need to start with right thinking. And right thinking will then begin to work its way out in our life. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, and the result will be that we will begin to practice then right behavior, right living. When we respond to God and follow his leading for right thinking, the result will be then right living. Verse 9, he says, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And once again, Paul is saying, use me as an example We're to use Paul as an example. We're supposed to use anyone where we see these attributes, where we see them thinking rightly, when we see them living rightly. We're to look at those people as examples. To be dignified people, we need to first think dignified thoughts, and we're to look to those around us who exemplify dignity, to be husbands and wives who honor one another. We need to first be thinking about how we can serve them and look for those around us who show honor in their relationships. Christians, how can we honor God if we aren't first meditating on how honorable he is and how worthy he is of our honor? And then look to those who are examples of this. And we respond to God's work in us with thoughts of honor and purity and truth. And what happens is these things begin to pour out in our lives it's just like that saying, I think it's a computer saying originally, garbage in, garbage out. But this is about purity in and purity out. It's about truth in and to speak the truth out, right thinking, working its way into our life. And this is what happens. Then Paul says, and he gives us an amazing promise, he says, and the God of peace will be with you. This is the second time in just three verses that Paul has brought up this word peace. Last week, we talked about letting go of anxiousness, praying for everything and being thankful. The result is the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now we're told that right thinking, resulting in right behavior, will invite the God of peace to be with us. Not just his gift of peace, but the God who is the giver of peace. He himself then will be with us. And what do you think that God does when he is with us? He guards us. And his presence brings about a supernatural peace, a transcendent joy that protects us and guards us so that no matter what life brings our way, that we will stand firm and not be shaken. So how do we make this happen? Kind of seems like a daunting task, doesn't it? Like how do we control what is rattling around up here? Romans 12 tells us that we are not to be conformed to this world, but we are to be transformed. And we do this by the renewing of our mind. We respond to God's work in us by doing two simple things. The first one is refusal of negative input. So let's do an experiment. We tried at 9.15, and I think that we need the lights out because uh, it didn't show up very good. So the lights go out. There's two rules about this experiment. Two rules. First rule is that I want you to think of the color blue. And The second rule is that I don't want you to remove your eyes off the screen. So if we get the. Oh, I don't see. Uh, I don't think that anyone's back there to turn the lights off. But uh, here we go. Oh, yeah, here we go. Very good. So the two rules think of blue and keep your eyes on the screen. Ready? Trust me, I tried, it, I tried it for two minutes and I thought my head was going to explode. Uh, it, it was impossible for me to keep focused on the color blue when I'm looking at red and reading red. What we allow into the mind is what the mind will think about. And what this means is if we want to start thinking about blue, then we need to stop looking at red if we want our thoughts to be pure then we need to stop t- start thinking and looking at what is pure and stop looking at what is impure if we want to think about what is true then we need to stop taking in so much stuff that is false if we want to apply this list to our lives it first demands the rejection of negative input and a good way to identify negative input is to take a look at the inversion of Of our list that Paul gives us. And it looks like this whatever is untrue, dishonest, dishonorable, unjust, whatever is impure, whatever is ugly, whatever is uncommendable, negative, vicious, or worthy of criticism, if there is anything not morally excellent, if there is anything unworthy of praise, then do not think. About These things and how do we stop thinking about these things? We start by removing them from what we watch We start by removing them from what we read and what we play What we look at who we look at and how we look at them what we listen to David says in Psalm 101 such an awesome verse Verses 2 and 3 he says I will walk with integrity of heart within my house I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. R. Kent Hughes, in his commentary that I read this week on Philippians, he writes this about what we bring into our minds via media, media being anything to do with uh, movies or radio or Internet. He says this, Suffice it to say that contemporary media overwhelmingly presents the antithesis of Philippians 4.8 as they have become increasingly eroticized, violent, and intolerant of Jesus Christ. And given that there is virtually no distinction between the viewing habits of Christians and non-Christians, the minds of countless Christians have become increasingly eroticized and blasphemous, which is to say sub-Christian. There's so many things that we could talk about in relation to this We have time to look at one, but it's a big one. We need to reduce our time with the media. Latest Nielsen report from 2018 says the average American over the age of 18 spends about almost two hours listening to the radio. We check our phone. How many times do you think we check it every day? On average, we check our phone 85 times a day. And we spend two and a half hours on average looking at it. The average American spends over four hours watching television. And it all adds up. If we add up all the forms of media, every internet connected device, everything that we do, everything that we watch in relation to the media, news and whatever it may be, it adds up to an amount of 11 hours a day for the average American. Now, are all forms of media bad? No. Certainly, there's things that we listen to on the radio that's glorifying the Lord. Certainly, there are movies and shows that we watch that are going to be edifying and encouraging and are going to remind us about biblical principles. But I ask you, how much negative news do we really need? How many opinions, not based on truth, do we need to expose ourselves to? How much violence and sex and foul language do we need to stream into our living room? How much social media do we need to look at? How much trolling or trivial nonsense do we need? There's so much poison that we willfully subject our minds to, we willfully inject into our minds. I encourage every one of us to evaluate our time in front of the screen with wisdom. Start asking ourselves, what Am I bringing into my mind, is it true? Is what we bring into our mind, is it honorable? Is it pure? Is it righteous? Is it commendable? Ask ourselves, are there time that we spend watching things that we could instead spend it with the Lord or spend it with other believers face to face? If we want to start thinking about blue, then we need to stop looking at so much that's red. We need to refuse negative input. The second thing we need to do to renew our minds is we need to add positive input, and we do that first and foremost with the Word of God. When it comes to adding positive things to our mind, we need to start with what is true, just like Paul did in his list. We need to know the truth. Truth is exclusively from God because He is truth. Everything that we have in this world is true. It comes from Him, and you've probably noticed that we live in a society that accepts the idea that truth is very relative. That truth depends on something. Well, is it true? Eh, that depends. Depends on what? Ah, so in our society, if we want to determine what is right or wrong, our society says, then we need to ask ourselves questions like Does it feel right? Does it feel right? So we're basing a decision on whether or not something is true by looking to feelings that have their origin in our thoughts and how we interpret the world around us. That is a terrible place to look for what is true. Truth is not true because of how we feel about it. If I doubt truth, it doesn't make it less true, does it? We need to search not our feelings, but the very words of God to remind ourselves again and again about the truth of God and who we are because of who he is and what he has done for us. We need to read it. We need to study it. We need to listen to it. We need to memorize it. I've been working on scripture memorization lately in a very like uh, religious, consistent way uh, because before I was all sporadic and all over the place. So I needed a plan. And the plan is that as I am going through my devotions, as I'm reading through the book of John, I'm also reading through the book of Luke, uh, and I find gold nuggets of that just really stand out to me, that God highlights in my heart, that I do something about it. It's a very old-school system. You've probably heard about it. Uh, if you're young, you're probably going to laugh, but it's called a three-by-five card. Uh, and I write that verse on here, and I fold it up, and I carry it with me. Now, I, used to, I used to carry it in my back pocket, but I'd always forget about it. So I put it in my front pocket with my phone because we check our phone like 85 times a day, right? So I pull it out. Whenever I feel it, whenever I think about it, I pull it out and I read it. And I read it again and again and again. And I average something, oh, it's, it's like around seven or eight times a day. But in a week, if you do the calculations, it comes out to be about 50 times in one week. My goal, so I look at a verse that's part of meditation as well. About bringing this verse into my mind, into my heart. I meditate on it and I memorize it so that I hide it in my heart. My goal is to look at this thing 50 times a week, which is completely realistic. And my goal for 12 months is to memorize 50 verses, which is completely and utterly attainable. And I encourage you guys to do something like that with me. It doesn't have to be 50 verses. It could be 25. That's once every two weeks. It could be 10. It could be one. It doesn't matter. Start with something. And if three-by-five cards work for you, which it does for me, then there are three-by-five cards in a box on the wall, in the back wall between the double doors on your way out. Grab as many as you want. I have more. I have a lot more. I have thousands of these things, right, because I, I feel strongly about us getting this into our heart and the reason I feel strongly about this is because this is what we read in Joshua 1.8 this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate on it day and night that's right thinking so that you may be careful to do all according to that is written in it for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success so that you may be careful to do according to what is written that is living right Colossians 3.16, Paul says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So I encourage you, grab some three-by-five cards on the way out. Uh, start this, at least what we're going to do this week is our something to do. So our something to do is exactly what we've been talking about, about meditating and memorizing. What we're asking you to do is memorize and meditate Philippians 4, 8, and nine this week. So even if you don't commit to doing fifty in twelve months, uh, if you decide that you're going to do ten, or you decide to do eight, uh, there's some on the on the the book uh, little uh, thing on the table. There's like a little bookmarker. Uh, if you decide to do eight verses or whatever, at least let Philippians four eight nine be your very first one, and grab a card on the way out. The second thing that we need to do is we need to be talking with God. We need to be praying. Because right thinking and right living, this is our response to the power of God working in us. We should seek him in prayer with everything because we need him in every way. One of the things we can do in prayer is to go to the Lord and ask him, God, search my thoughts. Search my feelings. I bring these before you today. Is what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling, is it from you? If it is not, I ask for forgiveness, and please help me. Bring me back to the right way of thinking. Bring me back in your power to the right way I need to feel. Another way we can do it, if we go before him and we ask the Lord in prayer, we ask him for the power that we have. We ask him about the things revealed to my mind, the things that we can be thankful for and grateful for, that we can go to God and we can, and we can recognize the things that are good in him. And how amazing his ways are. But we worship him in our prayer. And in doing that, we also remind ourselves about what is true. We need to be talking with God. Put this guy back here. Third thing is, we need to schedule a time. If we're serious about the Bible, if we're serious about prayer, then we need to schedule time to do this in our lives because our lives are pretty full. We need to schedule a time in the morning before we do anything to go before the Lord and say, what do you have for me today? What do you want me to be thinking about today? To tell him, to tell him we are here today to serve you and to be a blessing for other people. He already knows this. This is why he made you. This is why he saved you. But tell him that. It will be a good reminder for us in the morning before we do anything. We should schedule times during the day when you're able to retreat to his presence by reading the word or by praying, to listen to music that glorifies the Lord, read a book that brings your mind to biblical principles. We need to schedule in these times. We should be carving out a time in the evening where we're meditating on the truths and the promises and the character of God, to remind ourselves before bed how much our Father loves us, how much he tends to our needs and how much he fulfills his promises in our life. We need to schedule this time and be intentional about it or else we find that we just have a plan to live our day and we're just going through the motions of living out that day with no thought to what we should be thinking about. Last thing is we need to set reminders. So we have all kinds of reminders. I'm not talking about the reminders necessarily that are on our phone, although that could be useful. I'm talking about the the, the reminders that we have, like that we find in holidays, for example. Christmas. We celebrate Christmas because it reminds us of the birth of Jesus. We celebrate things like Easter because it reminds us about the death and the resurrection of Jesus. what's really cool is we can set anything, anything in our lives as a reminder and we can apply anything that we want to that reminder. It could be things like meals, it could be a post it note on your dashboard, it could be a cup of coffee that you have each morning. Every time we drink water, we could remind ourselves about what is pure. It could be a time each day or a day of the week we could focus our thoughts on Jesus. I encourage you to use things like landmarks on your drive home. Use things like the opening of your garage door to remind you about what is lovely and what is pure about your spouse. Use things that are common and that you can see all the time. Rain is a good example of that. We see rain a lot. Use rain to your benefit. Use it to remind you about the gifts of God, to bring your heart to, an er- to a place of gratitude about what God is doing in our lives. Let, us, let those things lead us To worship him more, to dwell on him more, to bring us to a deeper understanding of how good our God is. We're to use times like communion, which we're going to do now, to use times of communion, to let our minds go to the cross just one more time, to think about Jesus, to think about what he did on the cross. Time of communion is the perfect conclusion of this kind of a message. And my prayer is that it is a start for all of us to begin making steps toward thinking what is right, living what is right, and having the God of peace be with us so that the blessings that he has for us can be seen in the way that we stand firm in our life, that we can stand firm in our faith, and no matter what happens in our life, no matter what he has for us, no matter what life brings, because it brings difficulty, doesn't it? That we can stand firm and be unshakable. Let our minds think about now Jesus and what he did on the cross because as I look at that list of eight things that Paul gives us to think about, every single thing on that list can be seen in what Jesus did on the cross, couldn't it? Every single thing. Is what he did commendable? Is it what he did honorable? Is what he did true? Is what he did worthy of praise? Absolutely, yes. Pastor Matthias is going to come up, and he's going to lead us in that time of communion. And as he's coming up, uh, I'm going to have the men begin to hand out the bread and the cup.
1: Thanks, Gary. So we just uh, want to remind you as we come to uh, taking communion together that if you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you're invited to join us in that. Even if you're a guest, um, please join us in this as we... Remember what Jesus has done, and so our challenge, like Gary is saying, Paul Paul's reminding us we need to think about the best things in life. We need to have those in the forefront of our minds, and there's a there's a challenge to that at times. And so Jesus, in His wisdom, He gave us this amazing tool, and this is what um, the Apostle Paul writes about it from another one of Paul's letters in First Corinthians. 11 He says this, For I received from the Lord, which I also pass on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And that last phrase is, is really helpful for us. That every time we're taking this, um, we are proclaiming or we're speaking reminders, truth to one another. We're reminding ourselves of what Jesus has done. And, and we're reminding one another. That's the beautiful thing of when we take this together is that we're reminding one another What Jesus has done. And so Jesus took something every day for these people bread and something to drink, and he he broke it and he passed it around. He said, Hey, when we do this, we remind one another of the most important things in life, of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. When you think about the right things to be thinking about in your mind, the cross is so helpful. I mean it's helpful for for those who who don't know Jesus to think about the cross to hear about that from from us as we share the gospel but even as Christians sometimes we forget that the the cross is important for us as Christians to be thinking about Every day, all those things that Gary lists on, um, that that Paul's challenging us to keep in the forefront of our minds, all of these things are packed into the cross. This is how we know we're loved. This is our example of love. All those lies that we can believe about ourselves that are untrue, um, we see that they're untrue when we remember what Jesus has done on the cross. And so this morning, before we take, we just want to give you time to think about the cross. Um, just quietly in your own mind to, to think about what Jesus has done, his example for us as you hold the bread, as you, as you have the cup, to think about what that represents for us. Just to have our minds set on that before we take it together. I'll give you a few minutes by yourself. Uh, Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he passed it around and he said, take it and eat. This is my body given for you. Let's eat it in remembrance of him. And he took the cup and he said, hey, this is the, the reminder of the new covenant or the new commitment I have to you and thy blood shed for you. Let's drink this in remembrance of him. Would you pray with me? Father God, um, thank you for time today to think about the most important things in life. Thank you for the cross and, and how it shows us of your love and your commitment to us. How valuable we are. Lord, we thank you for the gift of remembering that today. I pray that you would help us to remember that tomorrow. Thursday afternoon, Wednesday morning, just throughout this week, that these most important things would be on the forefront of our minds. Thank you that you're alive there and at work there just like you are here with us. We love you for that. And and God, as we we sing, we sing because we're grateful, um, because you've done so many things for us. In Jesus' name, amen. why don't you stand and let's close our time together and worship. Yeah. week. I hope to see you Friday for the worship night. If not, see you back here next Sunday.